Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Hacks for Working Moms, the podcast that helps you overcome the overwhelm, embrace the chaos, and cultivate a life you love. My name is Megan Strand, and it is so lovely to be here with you. Our topic today is one that is near and dear to my heart, and that's public speaking and how to overcome the sheer terror that can sometimes accompany the prospect of speaking in front of a group of people. After a particularly terrifying experience in which I thought I was going to pass out during a short presentation for my job, I was really motivated to find some education on public speaking. And what I found was a local Toastmasters group where I met our guest today. Brindle Rohan is not only a phenomenal public speaker, but she's also reached the rank within Toastmasters of Distinguished Toastmasters, a level to which many aspire but few achieve. Welcome, Brendel. Hi, Megan. What compelled you to join Toastmasters? I actually joined Toastmasters in probably 2008-ish. I was in the mortgage industry, and so being in that industry, I spoke to people a lot. And I really just wanted to fine-tune my speaking skills to be able to communicate the best I could with different styles of people, with different situations, to be able to talk to large groups or small groups. At that time, my husband was also in real estate, and so we did a lot of work together. So we joined Toastmasters together to be able to work together and grow together. A side note to that is I was actually a communications major in college. Mm. And so I never had any fear of public speaking, but it definitely is one of those skills that if you don't use it, you lose it. After having been out of college for I guess I was out of college for close to 10 years, I decided it was time to get back into the public speaking arena. Not everybody shares your story. I mean, everyone has their own reason for joining. I, you know, I did a lot of public speaking in college too. So when I had this experience at work where I just literally froze and I think, I literally think I just was holding my breath, which is why I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like sometimes you struggle with public speaking. Sometimes you, some people are have always been afraid of it. Some people aren't maybe fearful like like you have never been fearful, but feel like they need to refine skills. So there's lots of different people that come to Toastmasters. But who would you who would you say Toastmasters is designed for? Like what's the typical profile of somebody who joins a club? Honestly, I think anybody who has a desire to be able to communicate better in any level, be it work, be it relationships, be it you have the desire to host a TED Talk. Um, I, I think that Toastmasters is great for anybody. And part of the reason that I say that is because when I first joined, there was a, a lady that was in our club that was very, very shy. And the only reason she was in Toastmasters was to overcome just her extreme shyness. Mm. And then on the flip side, there is a gentleman that we um, know very well, Marv, who does a lot of public speaking, has been in Toastmasters for many years, and still continues to go because there's just that that refinement. Every time you go, you're getting a little sharper and a little sharper. And so I think it, it covers the whole spectrum. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. It's really interesting, at least in the club that I belong to, just looking at the different personality profiles and ages and just, you know, interest levels. That's one of the things I love about my Toastmasters club, because I can pretty much guarantee I would not have been friendly with these people. Not that, not that I wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to be friendly with them. I never would have met these people had it weren't not for Toastmasters because we don't share all these different interests. Um, you know, my kids don't play baseball together or whatever, which is how I feel like I meet most of the people in my life. But finding out, learning about these people, learning about their interests, I find very, very fascinating. So I think that's, I think that's spot on. There's lots of different types of people. So whatever type of person you are, Toastmasters can be for you. So what can people expect when they arrive at a Toastmasters meeting? Well, the first part about, I think, Finding a Toastmasters meeting is finding one that fits what you're looking for. The other great thing about Toastmasters is there's so many different types of clubs. For instance, the club that I was involved with and that you are involved with is called Professionally Speaking. And so that club really caters towards someone who is looking to hone their professional skills. There's another club that I had a great time visiting that was more geared towards storytelling and just being dramatic and expressive. And that's really what that one geared itself towards. Hmm. Um, I think that every Toastmasters club that I've ever been to, which as a side note, I was the area governor for our area for a while. And so I visited quite a few different clubs. And every club you visit, they're warm and they're friendly. You show up. It's a very open, very inviting environment. And the beautiful thing about it is if you want to participate right away, you can. They give you opportunities to just jump right in. Or if you want to sit back and and observe and that's where you're more comfortable, you can do that as well. Well, and I think that's a a great point that people are warm and welcoming and friendly. I actually think, Brendel, you were the first person who greeted me when I came (laughs) into Toastmasters (laughs) and you were like, what brings you here? And so, you know, it was great because I got to speak to somebody immediately. But, um, you know, and I just said, um, which I'm totally hyper conscious of, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Try not to do that with, with Toastmasters. But when people arrive at least to the club that I belong to almost every meeting there are guests so I don't know if every club is like that but I think feeling free to drop into Toastmasters group is kind of what it's all about and at least my experience has been people encourage you to do exactly what you just talked about and that is to hop around from club to club and find one that that meets your personal needs because as Brendel mentioned they are all different so talk a little bit about the structure of a meeting because there is a prescribed formula to how Toastmasters meetings should ideally run. And again, this varies from club to club, but talk generally about what the structure looks like, what people would experience. Well, there's a couple of different, um, see, there's that, um, I know there's different segments of a meeting. Every meeting is going to have one of the segments is called table topics and table topics is where you get to practice your impromptu speaking. So what will happen is whoever is the actual Toastmaster of that meeting will ask a question and you don't know what the question is going to be and you have between a minute and two minutes to answer that question. And what that does is that really gets your mind thinking on ways to not only impromptu speak but to think about your answer while the question is being asked and 
it, it just uses a different a different set of speaking skills. And what they alluded to is if you are in a situation, let's say you're at a job interview, well, you don't know what the interviewer is going to ask. And so it helps hone those types of skills. And it's a little bit, it's the pressure cooker of the meeting. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. The next segment is usually where people will do the prepared speeches. And usually, depending on the meeting, there's going to be anywhere between two and four prepared speeches, depending on the length. And the prepared speeches are where someone is already has already predetermined a topic, they've already predetermined a subject, and has written out their speech. Sometimes you will get people that will have very detailed speeches with PowerPoints and handouts. And sometimes you'll get people that have more verbally visual stories, if you will, that will just speak to you and you just sit and listen and you get completely captured. One of the things about Toastmasters is you're given in some, well, there are manuals that you do in Toastmasters and a lot of the manuals have pre-prescribed topics. And so there are times when you will have to give a PowerPoint presentation because it's part of the manual or you will have to read out of a book, which is part of a manual. The very first speech is a lot of fun. It's called the icebreaker and it's all about you. Most of us like to talk about ourselves, so it's a really nice, fun first speech. <laughs> and then the last segment is usually where you do the evaluation stages, and that's where people tell you what you did really well in your speech, some things that you can improve on. For instance, they would tell both Megan and I that we've said um a few times. <laughs> and then they would also, they would finish up by telling you some other things that you did really well. We call that the sandwich approach. And that makes it really nice because you're getting a lot of positive feedback, but you're also getting some critiques on things that you can do better the next time. Absolutely. And that's a really valuable piece, I think, of Toastmasters is having that live evaluation. And in our club, I'm not sure if this is common across all clubs, but not only are you getting an evaluation by the person who is appointed to give you an evaluation, people pass notes. It's kind of like being in middle school. People pass you notes with some <laughs> some additional feedback. So that's another way of getting different perspectives on your on your speech and what worked and what didn't. Which sort of leads me to another piece of Toastmasters, and that is functionary roles. Would you kind of describe what that phenomenon is? Yeah. The the functionary roles and this is where you'll find a lot of difference between different clubs. In our club, we have a Toastmaster who's actually, for lack of a better term, he's the MC of the meeting. He's the one that runs the meeting. He keeps it on time. He makes sure that the people are coming up in the right order. There is the timer, and that is the person who works with the Toastmaster to make sure all the speakers stay on time, get their, their cue cards so they can see what um, what time they're, they're running for their speech. You've got an awe counter which in our club, someone drops marbles in a little tin jar, and that's always fun. <laughs> and that is for, if you say, Oz, um, a lot of times, depending on if the person is working on something specific, they'll drop four other words. One of the words that I have tried to beat out of my vocabulary is the word like. Mm-hmm. I kind of say like a lot. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would ask the awe counter to drop marbles on the word like. You also have the general evaluator who runs the evaluation team. 
the grammarian is someone who is going to help you with both good and poor uses of the English language. One of the things that I was very conscious of when I was a grammarian is what I called Northwesternisms. <laughs> and that is where we say, I'm going to go to the store or I had to go do something instead of I'm going to go or I have to or I had to. And we tend to do things like that a lot, in, especially in the Northwest. The grammarian will also tell you if you use a really unique word in a good sentence. So, for instance, right now I'm working with a fundraising committee and we are doing a lot of procuring. Well, procurement is not a word you hear every day in language. So if I were to say that, the grammarian would probably point that out as a great word to be using, not real common, something that is a good use of the English language. Excellent. And the other thing that those functionary roles do in a meeting is give additional people an opportunity to both speak as well as fill a role and take some leadership of the the smooth running of that meeting. So really, it's sort of all hands on deck, depending on how many people show up at the meeting, of course, because you have prepared speeches, you have these functionary roles, you have people standing up doing impromptu. So it's likely, I think I could probably count on one hand the amount of meetings I've showed up to where I've said nothing and done nothing. It just doesn't <laughs> happen very often, at least in the club that I belong to. Clearly, that you don't have to speak and have to be assigned a role, particularly when you're first joining. And if you're a guest, you don't have to do anything except sit there and observe. However, as Brendel mentioned, at least in the club we belong to, it's it's an opportunity. If you'd like to do the table topics impromptu speaking, you will probably be asked if you'd like to participate. It's always a good idea because, you know, you might surprise yourself. Tell me this, Brendel, out of all of the speeches you've done, what's the most challenging speech assignment you ever had? The most challenging speech that I ever did, when you get into the advanced manuals, they have to be, they're longer speeches. And so the advanced manuals, you could have speeches that are 15 to 20 minutes long. I think probably one of the most challenging, at least as far as preparation and delivery, was one where I was leading a, almost like a group discussion in the meeting. And so I had to have a lot of prepared notes and prepared handouts because we were we were filling out questions that I had written down previously and handed everybody out the notes and then we were answering the questions on paper and then we were also having a group discussion in the meeting about what the questions were going over. On top of that, there was also, I believe there was a PowerPoint presentation that I did, either a PowerPoint or I had a flip chart, one of the two, and I don't remember which one. It was a very long speech. It was about 20 minutes. And um, the prep work for that was was pretty tough. Sounds like a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. (laughs) I remember you giving a speech that I thought looked impossible. You did an amazing job at it. But it was, I believe it was you. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You were instructed in one of the manual speeches to give a speech to a video camera. So we are all sitting around this table. You're not allowed to look at any of us. You have to look at the foot of the table 
only. And you can't move around because you're on video. And I thought, that looks impossible. It was like you were in this little glass box and you couldn't look at any of us and had to look straight ahead for whatever it was, five to seven minutes and try to still be compelling, but not move too much because you go out of the video frame. Yeah. And that one was, I think the, the idea behind that was to simulate a TV newscast. Yes. So, yeah, that, that one is interesting. I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of fun things you get to do as a Toastmaster. How how do people, what's sort of the progression from Toastmaster? And embarrassingly, it took me over a year to even complete my first manual, which is only 10 speeches, people. It just took me a long time to do it. Yeah. What's the progression from Toastmaster to the next level um, of Distinguished Toastmaster or whatever the case may be? Well, there's a couple of different levels in between. So your your first manual, when you complete that, which, as you said, was 10 speeches, is called your company communicator. And so at that point in time, they have bestowed upon you the title of uh, company communicator and that you have a really well-rounded idea of speeches. There's a... Uh, number of different styles in the competent communicator, but they're all fairly, they're fairly simple. There's not a a lot of video cameras and that kind of stuff in the competent communicator. And then after that, you take two tracks. And what I love about Toastmasters is, yes, there's a lot about speeches, but there's also a lot about leadership. Toastmasters want you to focus as much on the leadership side and so they have, once you get your competent communicator, they have two different tracks. So you have your advanced leadership track and your advanced communication track. And for the advanced communication track, there are more manuals, there are more speeches, much like the one that I gave to the TV screen. The cool thing about it, though, is there, I don't even know how many different manuals there are, but you get a pick. And so one of the ones that my husband picked was humor because he, it's a very funny guy, and he loves humor. I did not pick that. <laughs> humor is not <laughs> Nor my will thing. I. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can pick manuals either that stretch you or that fit within your comfort zone, or do a little of both. You, and then for the competent leadership, that's where when I mentioned that I was area governor, in order for you to actually get your distinguished Toastmasters, the area governor is one of the criteria, and so you become an area governor and it fulfills part of the leadership track, but there's so many other things that you're doing at the same time. And so there's three different sections in the advanced communication and there's two different sections in the advanced leadership. And once you get them all done, you become a distinguished Toastmaster. And that's really the highest rank that Toastmasters recognizes within the clubs. Now there is a higher rank for people who want to, move on to the public speaking realm. And honestly, I don't even remember what it's called, but it it is really just geared towards people who want to go into public speaking. So if you want to become a politician or you want to get up on stage and be a motivational speaker, then you you can take even advanced training and, and go in that course. All sorts of things I didn't even know existed. Thank you, Brendel. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we close out our interview today by you sharing, if you would, what you feel Toastmasters has given to you. You were clearly active in, with Toastmasters for a long time, put a lot of yourself into it. When you look back on all of those years and all of those speeches and all of that leadership, experience, what what stands out to you the most? Well, a number of things stand out. And one of the things is 
I had to take a step back from Toastmasters mostly for scheduling, mostly for scheduling issues. But it is definitely in my heart to come back. And I think that's one of the things that Toastmasters does is it, it hooks you in and you, you feel like it becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely given me a lot more confidence in my speaking skills. When I communicate with somebody, there's different cues that I can pick up from them as well and different things that you learn in Toastmasters that help you to communicate better with other people. It's definitely given me confidence in knowing that I can take on these leadership roles and actually complete them and be more, just really a lot of confidence, just be more confident in when I'm talking to people, who I'm working with. I do not have a lot of fear or anxiety when I'm talking to higher level people in my current job right now. You know, I deal with managers and general managers and all that stuff. And I don't have a lot of fear in talking with them because I know that my communication skills are are pretty sharp. You know, you've been asked harder questions in table topics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I, I, I will echo that. And I will say that really that especially that table topics piece, that impromptu speaking where you have no idea what people are going to say. And you may mumble along for two minutes, but for the most part, it makes sense. That really gives Mm -hmm. you the confidence to know that even if you're thrust into a situation where maybe you're not quite as prepared as you should be, or maybe you're not prepared at all, and somebody calls upon you to say something, you know, you you can do it. You've got it. It may not be as good as if you had scripted it out, but you can you can do it and you can do it without passing out or fear of passing out and sound competent. And I, I do think that that that's what it gives you. I will say, Life does get busy. So some some months I haven't gone to a Toastmasters meeting at all. But I will say it really does. It does. I feel like there are certain synapses in your brain that fire differently after you've been to a Toastmasters meeting. And I think that's where that practice and repetition comes in. So it's absolutely a valuable group to at least try out. So if you've thought about public speaking, you want to improve upon some aspect of communication or public speaking or leadership, try Toastmasters out. It is eminently affordable. I believe it's $36 every six months. If you're a new member, you pay a little bit more for your first manual and your whatever they give you pin. So it's very, very affordable. And you can find out more about Toastmasters at toastmasters.org. And Brendel, I want to thank you so, so much for being with me today. I sort of am regretting we didn't have a marble on this show that you and I could be pinging each other on our on our ums. That would have been a valuable Toastmasters experience for our listeners, don't you think? I agree. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again so much, Brendel. And for those of you listening, I'm going to put some links in the show notes, which you can find at the website, lh4wm.com, or just lifehacksforworkingmoms.com. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Strand and find the podcast on iTunes. I do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Brendel and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us today, and I will talk to you next time. 